today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Romans chapter 6, we're going to pick it up, uh, verse 13. Romans 6, verse 13. Paul said, don't yield your members. He's talking about the members of the physical body, the hands, the feet, the eyes, the mouth, the ears, your mind. Uh, the, the members of your physical body. Don't yield the members of your physical body as instruments of unrighteousness unto the sin nature. Now, the physical body is that which relates to the world, and it's neutral. It can be used for either good or evil. And Paul likened the members of our physical body as instruments. And in the Greek, that refers to the weapons of a Greek soldier. So Paul is saying that the members of our physical bodies can be used as weapons. And if you yield yourself to the sin nature, then your own physical body can be used as a weapon against you. Think about that. If you yield yourself to the sin nature, then your body can be used as a weapon against you. In other words, you're your own worst enemy. If you yield yourself to the sin nature. However, if we'll yield ourselves, verse 13, about midway, yield yourselves unto God and our members as instruments of righteousness unto God, then our physical bodies can be used as weapons to fight evil against evil. So which do you want to do? As I hope would be obvious, you would want to fight evil. Uh, Verse 14, For sin, the sin nature, shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under Grace, it's not God's will for anybody to be dominated by the sin nature. That's not in God's original plan. Now, He created us all with a human nature. Human nature is that which is indicative of a human being. It's that that makes us us. We we cry. We eat, we drink, we sleep, we procreate. 
All of these are things that are indicative to a human being, and they're good things. It's the way God created us to be. There's nothing wrong with those things. But along came the sin nature. The sin nature was not created by God. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, and uh, verse 15, Haven, if you can, pull that up. Ezekiel 28, verse 15. Sin originated with Lucifer, who led a rebellion against God. He was perfect in the day that he was created, till iniquity was found in him. That's Ezekiel 28, verse 15. And when Adam fell in the garden, we see Satan lurking around, hiding amongst the trees of the garden, tempting Adam and Eve. So we know that Lucifer became Satan before God created Adam and Eve because we see Satan in that garden tempting Adam and Eve. We all know the story how they fell. And when Adam fell in the garden... It became what Paul called in Ephesians 2 and 2, the spirit which now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's the sin nature. It's in every single human being that's born. And we are born with two natures, human nature, sin nature. That sin nature is the corrupting force that's inside of all of us. It it starts pumping corruption, filth, from the time we're born till the time we die. It corrupts the heart of man, which is the soul and the spirit. When I say heart, I'm not talking about your, your heart that pumps blood uh, ever so many uh, times a minute, whatever the case. I, I'm talking about the heart of the human being, the soul and the spirit. The soul and the spirit is that which knows and, and, and the seed of our emotions, that which feels. It corrupts the human nature of the human being. What God instilled in us in the beginning uh, becomes corrupt. Why did you eat six Hot glazed donuts. Because you liked it. It was pleasurable. And over time we become dominated by different things. Now all of us are different. Some of us became addicted to alcohol. Some of us were addicted to nicotine. Some of you may still be. God's still working on you. But you know, you know, and we want to pick on drinking and, and, and smoking and the druggie out here, but there's really not a whole lot ever said about the one that eats six hot glazed donuts and four pieces of pecan pie after eating four sandwiches. I see you don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know I'm telling the truth. What is the difference? I mean, hey, I mean, we got skinny people that are dominated with cigarettes. That's an active sin nature. We got fat people that are killing themselves with donuts and overeating. It's still the sin nature that's working in the heart and life of the human being. 
And you do these things because you like it, and it becomes all about me. And all about what I want to do. If it feels good, do it. And most of the time, it hurts somebody else. And, I, and down the road, it hurts us. It really hurts us when you get down to it. So, laws and restraints were put into place to curve that, to stop that. Every society since the dawn of time has put into place some type of law in order to govern the people. Every society. Even before God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, the Gentiles, Paul said it, Romans 2 and verse 14, he said the Gentiles did by nature the things contained in the law. Not having the law. They didn't have the law. But they were doing the things that were contained in the law, and that was a law unto themselves. They didn't understand what it was that was causing the problem, but they just knew that something had to be done to keep and to maintain some type of order in society. That's called the government of law. And we're all born under Law. It's instilled in us as children. It's ingrained in us from the time we're a little bitty thing growing on up. And it's our default position for obtaining righteousness. That's the way the world measures righteousness. We grow up thinking... If I do the right thing, if I abide by the rules and keep the law, then that makes me a good person. If I do the bad thing and I break the rules, then I'm a bad person. And you can ask most anybody, and they'll tell you, well, I mess up once in a while, but overall I abide by the rules. My good outweighs the bad, so... I'm a pretty good person. That's what most of tell you. Then you got some who are a little bit more honest. Yeah, well, I messed up, but it's not as bad as that guy over there. Now, you look at what they did. Now, they really, you know, a bunch of prisoners were standing around out there on the yard one day, and they were talking. And uh, one of them asked, hey, man, what you in for? Well, they caught me selling drugs. Oh, really? Yeah, they caught me selling drugs. But it ain't as bad as that guy there. Well, what did he do? Well, he robbed the liquor store. The guy that robbed the liquor store said, Yeah, I might have robbed the liquor store, but I ain't as bad as that guy there. Well, what did he do? Well, he murdered somebody. Well, the murderer spoke up and said, Hey, the guy deserved it. He was messing around with my wife, and he asked for it, and I gave it to him. And the murderer said, that ain't as bad as that guy over there. Now, he raped a seven-year-old little girl. And all of them turned on that guy and beat the tar out of him because he had raped a little seven-year-old little girl. Never mind, they had all broke the law and they were all in prison. You understand what I'm saying? And that is the problem that you're going to find with law is that 
it can only do so much. It does not shut down the sin nature that's active within our hearts and lives. And let me give you another example. Back years ago, the law come out and, and said, no more alcohol, no liquor. What did people do? They started going out behind the house down in the woods and started welding up and doing all kinds of stuff with copper and mash and, and building fires. Or what were they doing? They were making liquor. Why were they going down in the woods doing that? Because of an active sin nature. Law said no alcohol. But that didn't stop the sin nature. The sin nature drove those people out in the woods. They made more liquor. Why? Because they liked it. See, And law can regulate certain things, but it can't stop. It is not sufficient to stop an active sin nature that's in a person. So like I said, law can only do so much. But everybody looks to law and their obedience to the law as a way to obtain righteousness and holiness. But the Bible says, Romans 3, verse 10, There is none righteous, no, not one. Paul said in verse 23 of chapter 3, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the whole human race is dominated by sin nature, and we're all looking to law as the means of righteousness. But God said, Romans 6, verse 14, For sin, the sin nature, shall not have dominion over you. He's talking to Christians. You and I. For you are not under law, you're under grace. You can take this verse and flip it around and say it this way. Now catch this, now listen very carefully. The sin nature will have dominion over you if you place yourself under law and not under grace. Same thing. I'm saying the exact same thing, just flipping around and saying it a little bit different way. The sin nature will have dominion over you if you place your faith in law rather than under grace. And that's what Paul is saying here. There's only two ways to address the sin nature. It's either law or grace. There is no in-between. And you are going to be under one or the other. And like I said, law can only do so much. We've already seen that. I've given an example of that. But grace actually breaks the dominion of the sin nature that's within our hearts and lives. Now let's take a look at grace because people don't really fully understand grace. And i tell you why I know they don't understand grace because they'll, they'll use the term greasy grace. There ain't nothing greasy about grace, see. Grace, you have umbrella grace. Umbrella grace is simply this. We all deserve the judgment of death in, in, in the lake of fire. But God sent His Son into the world to die for us. He didn't give us what we deserved. He sent His Son into the world 
John 3 and verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is umbrella grace. It covers the whole of humanity. That means anybody. No matter where they were born, what age they were born in, the color of their skin makes no difference what they've done. When they come to Christ, repent of their sin, and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, they can be saved. Whosoever will may come and take of the water of life freely. That is umbrella grace. Then you have this aspect of grace as it pertains to the believer. And the Greek word for this type of grace is charis. And it is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Now, y'all have heard me say this, but you know, the best teacher is repetition. See, the more I keep saying this, after a while it's going to sink in. And when I say grace, you're automatically going to go to the definition and you're going to understand what I mean when I say grace. Because there ain't nothing greasy about grace. I ain't trying to slide nothing. I'm not giving you a license to sin. But that's what a lot of people think, see. Giving you a license to sin. Cherish. The divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes inside and overpowers that sin nature, shuts it down and starts cleaning up the mess that's left over from years of corruption. Take a look at your neighbor and say, you're a mess. No, you better look right straight at me right now. <laughs> We're messy folks. Just because the sin nature is shut down, that don't mean you're perfect. There's still a lot of cleaning up that, that needs to take place. And the Holy Spirit will do that work within our lives, but it's all accomplished as we keep our faith in Christ. And that's grace, not law. And Paul is dealing with this subject of law because it's so ingrained in us from the time we're a little bitty and growing on up our default position is law and as soon as Paul got saved and filled with the spirit he immediately tried to live for God the only way he knew how and that was by law and in the seventh chapter of Romans we see where Paul tried to live for God by the means of law and he kept failing and the sin nature revived, and what did he say? I died. In other words, his Christian experience was a miserable experience. So as long as you keep your faith properly placed in grace, not law, but grace, and we make up laws all the time, well, I sin, but if I read the Bible a little bit more, I won't sin. No, that's just going to make you sin more. Well, Brother James, that don't make no sense. I know it don't, but believe me, I know. I've been there. I got to pray some more. I got to be in church every time the doors... I got to witness to some more people. I got to fast some. Lord knows I need to fast some. But that's not going to help me get victory over the sin nature 
that's dominating me. The only thing that's going to help me get victory over that thing is to keep my faith anchored in Christ. The moment I did that in my life, the Lord went to work and the nicotine problem fell away. He dealt with the cigarette problem. I was saved. I was struggling with some things. But the Lord dealt with that the moment I came to the place that I realized, Lord, you died on Calvary's cross to set me free from that thing. I can't do it. I'd done everything. I was at my wit's end. I had come to the end of myself. And that's what we all have to come to. That's what Paul had to come to in the seventh chapter of the book of Romans. He had to come to the end of himself. O wretched man that I am. And that's where a lot of Christians are existing right now. They're existing in that state of, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now, Paul's teaching against law, trying to live for God by the means of law, that angered the Jews. Because for some 1,600 years, their whole world was law. See? And they accused him of all kind of things. And when he would make these statements about, you know, not living by the means of law, they accused him of giving a license to sin. And that ain't what Paul was saying. And he asked this question in Romans 6, verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. And like I said, many of the Jews were accusing him of saying it was all right to sin because grace was greater. And that's not what Paul was saying. That's why he said, God forbid. Grace is not a license to sin. It's really the only way that one can live holy for God. And when we place our faith in grace, which is Christ and Him crucified, rather than trying to keep a bunch of rules and laws, that opens the door for the Holy Spirit to come inside and shut down the sin nature. And the Holy Spirit will work as long as we cooperate with Him. We yield to Him. Paul would say time and time again, walk in the Spirit, order your behavior after the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, Look at verse 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, the believer has three natures. You have a human nature. That which is indicative of a human being is what God instilled in you uh, to be human. Nothing wrong with those things. But you have a sin nature that you're born with that will corrupt human nature. And as long as you live, you're going to be a human being. You're going to have desires and things. Okay? As long as you live, you're going to have a sin nature. But as long as your faith is anchored in Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside. That's the divine nature. That's that third nature. He will keep the sin nature overpowered, okay? And He will rule and reign in your life and clean you up and make you into what you ought to be. Now, Paul 
called us servants here in this verse. Now, a servant is a slave. The Greek word is doulos. It is one whose will is swallowed up in the will of his master. In other words, a servant, a slave, had to do whatever his master told him to do. Now, we're going to yield to one or the other of those two natures. You're a human being, so that's automatic. Okay, you're going to do the things that a human being does. If you don't, you ain't human. Okay, all right? But you're going to yield yourself to one or the other. You're either going to yield to the sin nature, or you're going to yield to the Holy Spirit. And whichever one you yield to will determine your Christian experience. Now, as it says way back in the Old Testament, choose this day whom you will serve. (laughs) And if you choose to serve the sin nature, then you're yielding yourself to death. That's going to be the end result. Your Christian experience will be, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death. If you yield yourself to the divine nature, then you're going to be living a life of righteousness that's pleasing unto God. And that's what a Christian is. We should be living a life that's pleasing unto God, not a life that's pleasing to the preacher or a life that's pleasing to my wife or my husband, but a life that's pleasing unto God. Okay, take a look at verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. We were, past tense, used to be slaves to the sin nature. But you have obeyed from the heart. In other words, we have placed our faith in, what did he say? That form of doctrine. That's what Paul is teaching us here. A form of doctrine which was delivered to you. What was Paul's doctrine? Christ crucified. Our faith in this teaching, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, is what has delivered us. Yes, this word was delivered unto us, but guess what? When you put your faith in it, this word will deliver you. (laughs) And that's actually what it says in the Greek. This word was delivered to you, but it has also delivered you and I. And it's all who put their faith in His finished work. And God be thanked. Because if it won't for God's grace and mercy, and sending His Son into the world to die for us, we wouldn't have a chance. So God be thanked, as He said there in that verse. Verse 18, Being then made free from sin you become the servants of righteousness. Faith in Christ, not law, is what has set us free from our old slave master, the sin nature. Paul said, we are now slaves of righteousness. Now, when we think of a slave, we think of something unfortunate, and and rightly so. But in Old Testament times, Slavery back in those days is not the slavery that you and I normally think of. When a person had a debt, 
and they could not pay that debt for whatever reason. If they had a son or a daughter, they would give their son or daughter to whomever it was they owed the debt and let them work to pay off the debt. And if they didn't have a son or daughter, then they offered themselves up as a slave in order to pay the debt. Now, there were times when their master was so good to them. I mean, their life as being a slave was so much better than what they had tried to do on their own that they voluntarily went to their slave master and said, Hey, my life is so good with you, I just want to be with you for the rest of my life. And that happened from time to time. And they would go to the doorpost of the city, and they would drive an awl in the earlobe of the, uh, of the person, and that was a symbol and a sign that they had voluntarily given themselves over to a slave master for the rest of their lives. What are you saying, Brother James? I'm saying this. When you've served the devil for years, when you've been a slave to the devil, and then you get saved, and you come into this thing, and you see how great and how good God is to you, you voluntarily, you want to be his slave. For life. And let me tell you, the benefits and living for God is so much better than anything I ever tried to do on my own and when I was in bondage to the devil and the sin nature. Are you hearing me? You understand what I'm saying? It's so much better. And glory to God, He set me free. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.